With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Hope you had an awesome weekend. Hope you said hello to your mother on Mother's Day. Fantastic show planned for you today. TJ Moe in studio with us. A round of applause. Uh, Royce White, Steve Kim will be joining us. We have a great fire starter and show planned for you today. And then we'll discuss some other NBA and sports-related topics as well. But we're going to start with John ja, ja Morant. Uh, we've seen the Ja Morant movie before. The prequels primarily featured rappers, Scott LaRock, Tupac Shakur, Notorious B.I.G., Jam Master J, Mac Dre, Nipsey Hussle, Young Dolph, Takeoff. Those are just a few of the rap stars who lost their lives chasing street credibility with gold chains, tattoos, and gun-toting menacing personalities. The list is long enough to justify a Wikipedia page, Murdered Hip Hop Musicians. There's an even bigger list of names of wannabe rap stars who sacrificed their freedom in pursuit of street cred. In hip hop, incarceration is a rite of passage. Criminal infamy is how you get juice. Ask Meek Mill or T.I. or Little Boosie or Young Boy Never Broke Again. Ja Morant, the 23-year-old NBA star, is on a collision course with infamy. Late Saturday, Morant live-streamed himself brandishing another handgun. This time, he was riding in a car with a friend singing a rap song. Sunday morning, the Memphis Grizzlies announced they had suspended their star guard indefinitely. It's Morant's second suspension in 2023. A few months ago, Morant live-streamed from inside a Denver strip club. He flashed a gun, he was suspended for about two weeks, in a contrived interview, Morant told ESPN's Javen Rose that he had traveled to Florida to seek counseling on dealing with pressure and stress. Take a listen. Whose gun were you holding? I was, felt like, you know, I was releasing stress and I felt like it was healthy for me, and, which it wasn't. And that caused me to do some things that, you know, I shouldn't have. Uh, the gun wasn't mine. Um, you know, I, it's not who I am. I don't condone and you know, any type of violence, um, but I take, you know, full responsibility, you know, for my actions. I and mean, I can see uh, the image, you know, that I, I painted, you know, over myself, you know, with my recent mistakes. But, you know, in the future, um, I'm going to show everybody who Ja really is. Uh, the pressure Morant is dealing with is his desire to be the Tupac Shakur of basketball. It's a desire that has afflicted many young black men since the 1991 release of Tupacalus Now, the rapper's first album, and the 1992 release of Juice, 
the movie that exponentially increased the rapper's fame. Allen Iverson was the first basketball star to impersonate Shakur. In 1993, at the age of 17, Iverson served four months in prison for his role in a bowling alley riot. Iverson's NBA career started one month after the murder of Shakur, one month after Hollywood and the music industry began turning the dead rapper into Nelson Mandela, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr. rolled into a single blunt. By the pinnacle of his NBA career, Iverson looked every bit the part of Tupac's little brother. Yeah, we've seen the Ja Morant movie before. He's playing the role that corporate media, social media, and popular culture designed for young black men. We're the self-destructive anti-hero in every movie. Hollywood and social media celebrate and enrich criminal and dead black men. A society gets the behavior it rewards. John Morant is the rich man's version of George Floyd. Floyd's value in America went from zero to one billion in eight minutes. His lone accomplishment, dying under the knee of a white cop, made him one of the most important men in American history. John Morant wants to be important. He's not going to be the next Barack Obama or Colin Powell. Morant won't be Muhammad Ali or Michael Jordan. Those endeavors require the appearance of intellect and discipline. Anyone can mimic the behavior of a rapping idiot. All you need are tats, gold jewelry, and a willingness to present yourself as a potential criminal. That's light work for John Morant. It's also rewarding. Sports television networks love signing unrepentant black buffoons to argue about sports and broadcast games. A criminal rap sheet, rap sheet enhances the qualifications of black sports broadcasters. At this point, despite his best efforts, John Morant has avoided criminal allegations. The Indiana Pacers believe Morant was involved in an incident where a red laser targeting dot threatened a vehicle transporting members of their staff. A teenage boy in Memphis claims Morant threatened him with a gun after a dispute in a pickup basketball game. Mall security in Memphis claim Morant and his posse threatened workers. We're moving close to the climax of Ja Morant's version of Juice. Tupac's character Bishop dies in the end. He falls to his death after failing to kill his former friend Q. The movie ends when a bystander tells Q, yo, you got the juice now. Ja Morant wants the juice. It's the juice that killed Tupac and so many others. It's the juice that made Allen Iverson a cultural icon, a drunk, and a degenerate gambler. Juice is the enemy of truth. Morant is living a lie. He's not a street kid. He's a young man from an intact family. He desires an infamy that will kill him or incarcerate him. It's sad. It's sad how many young black men view a gun as an accessory item for their image or a prop for a music video. The American gun represents freedom from government oppression. That's the logic and truth undergirding the Second Amendment. The founders established our right to bear arms because they recognized that unarmed citizens would be vulnerable to government abuse, and governments always desire to abuse their citizens. It's in the nature of government. That truth is not taught in schools. Here's the solution. We should make it illegal to brandish a firearm for any reason other than to hunt, 
military exercise, practice at a gun range, protect your person or property, and remind the government to leave us alone. That's it. Flashing a gun to live stream, make a TikTok video, an IG post, record a music video, or any other frivolous activity should be a felony. What we know of Morant's use of a firearm only puts himself and the people around him in danger. He's going to get someone killed. The movie's all in the same. That's my fire starter on John Morant. When we come back, we'll talk about it with Royce White and TJ Moe. Before we get out of here though, I want to talk about one of my best friends, my new Patriot mobile phone. I don't even know, can I call it new? I've had it now for like two and a half, three months. I don't know about you, but I love my Patriot mobile phone. It takes a lot of shock for me these days, but to see our political, our judicial system resemble a third world banana republic, to see trusted American companies embrace insane and destructive woke ideologies is frankly depressing. We must fight back and that starts with changing the way we spend our money. Patriot Mobile, my phone. For years, big mobile companies have been dumping millions into leftist causes and we had to take it because another option didn't exist. Well, now it does. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke propaganda pushed by leftists working hard to destroy this country. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you support free speech and religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call them right now at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. Ask about their coverage guarantees while you're there. That's patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. We gotta take these steps. I did it, take the plunge. I love my Patriot mobile phone. I haven't had one problem with it. Don't listen to the haters, don't listen to the leftists. Patriot mobile is the way to go. You can email me or us, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Keep pounding that like button. Keep giving me those five-star reviews on Apple. Royce White, next. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for some Morpheus. Time to roll out to Minneapolis. Bring in Minneapolis's own Morpheus, Royce White, to join TJ Moe and I. Royce, uh, welcome back to the show. You just heard me argue that Ja Morant basically wants to be Tupac Shakur. I'm arguing that Tupac Shakur has had an incredible influence over young black men, and particularly young black athletes, ever since he hit the scene in 1991 and had that brief four-year career as a rapper and movie actor, am I making too much of Tupac's influence over young black men? Well, no, I think I think Tupac had a huge influence on, on black communities uh, all, all across the country, really. Tupac had a major influence on people all around the world. 
Um, I think hip hop has, as a culture has had a huge impact on black communities and a huge impact all around the world. Um, so no, I don't think you're making too much of it at all. Um, I, I think it, I think it's even deeper than, than what, what, what you said so far in some ways, because, and I always go to politics. People are like, well, that's not everything's not political, but it is political. And this is especially political. As a matter of fact, this is the sine qua non of the whole deal. And it's the well that never runs dry. And it's not by coincidence that the same posh, yuppie, opulent, neoliberal, omnisexual, metropolitan white women that will tell you Donald Trump is the most dangerous thing to black people in this country are the same opulent, posh, yuppie, liberal, omnisexuals that promote and celebrate music where black men talk about killing each other all the time. I mean, the two don't square. They don't square at all. They're completely in contradiction of one another. This entire mainstream media industrial complex will tell you that Donald Trump is the biggest threat to black people in this country. Yet and still, they go out of their way to promote music that celebrates black people killing each other, genociding each other. The two doesn't square. What it says is the mainstream media industrial complex thinks black people are f***ing stupid. They really do. And that might be the greatest example of racism in the modern era is how stupid they think all black people are. Let me ask a controversial question. Mm -hmm. Are we that stupid? Because <laughs> we're going for it. Well, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I, th I think two things. One, I think at mass. Well, let, let, let me let me let me offer this as well. I'll go one layer deeper than that. If I can, please. I love you. I, I got the directive, but let me go one layer deeper. This is personal. You got to realize this is personal for me, Jason. I know. Go. Go. You're this not off topic. Me, You're not off topic. Because I'm a young, I'm a young black man. I came from a neighborhood, a street just like this, a, a neighborhood just like, like, uh, like, like the black communities that are plagued by this type of brainwashing, conditioning, contradiction. I came from there. I had, I got friends that died, that were shot and killed from there. They didn't make it. We grew up together. My son, who's 12 years old, I came up with them at that age. In the third grade, when we were as innocent as you could possibly be. And five, six years later, they're no longer were here. So it's personal for me. And it's personal for me from a greater political sense as well. So let, let me go a layer deeper. The, the way that I saw Stephen A. Smith try to use Ja Morant really bothers me because it's those yuppie, posh, black bourgeoisie grandstanders that have taken the other side of the coin of selling out. Yeah, Ja Morant might be, might be having some struggles. He's definitely lost. He's definitely struggling. But the premise that his behavior should be predicated on his economic and financial opportunity is the telltale sign of a sellout, is a telltale sign of a man who went on national television and said that every morning he wakes up and thinks, how can I make my boss money so I can get some of it? Well, all of us don't think like that, you sellout mother. We don't think like that, all of us. Uh, all of us young men. Now, some of us don't know to, what to do with that young rambunctious rebellion energy. Some of us, like myself, will sit down for seven days straight and write an expose on a political topic until every single stone is left unturned in that expression of intellectual depth. Some of us do it like that, but some of us get lost out there in the wilderness. And when Stephen A. Smith said, ja why does Ja Morant have a gun? He's blowing his opportunity. 
That's the yuppie liberal establishment, mainstream media industrial complex, trying to tell young black men and by way of all young men who aspire to have success economically not to carry a gun. They're not fooling me. They may be fooling Sean Hannity. They may be fooling these other right wingers on media. They're not fooling me. You do need a gun. John Moran does need a gun. He just doesn't need to be showing it on Instagram Live, and it has nothing to do with his economic op- opportunity, his econo- his job, none of that. Why would the same black, the same black bourgeoisie sellouts who say John Moran should be thinking career first never want to talk about how John Moran is really in danger in a city like Memphis from the same policies that their sellout white liberal political leaders instituted in Memphis? He actually does need a gun. He actually is in danger. Clarence Avant had his wife shot and killed in the California Hills. The black godfather of Hollywood, they broke into his house, shot his wife to death. Black people are always successful. Black men are frequently the target, the target, the aim of other young black men who are plagued by radical materialism. They set the game that way. They know it that way. And eventually when the Fed When the Fed hits the debt ceiling in June and they say the government has no more money and the welfare checks stop and the and the and the government aid stops and the homeless shelter funding stops. What pilot are they going to run in? What Second Amendment psyop are they going to run then? Oh, black young black men who are crazy, who are out of control, who are violent, are now out of money and they're going to come kill you, white folks. Y'all don't see it. I mean, it's so obvious. It's 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 unbelievable how obvious it is. And they make us all seem like conspiracy theories, like these people aren't that organized. John Morant's not organized. That's the one real criticism of him. He's not organized. He has self-doubt. He has mental health issues, probably. He doesn't believe that he could be the leader they never want to see him become. He's not organized, but they are. And that's where the real racism is, because the one result of intellectual tradition by and large is organization and young black men and young black communities, black communities all over this country are plagued by a lack of organization. And we, 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 we act as though our enemies and the people who we say oppress us don't have that organization. They do. They're well organized. All hail King Charles. They're well organized. OK. I'm sorry. I'm passionate about this. Uh, you're not off topic, Royce. You, you just have unpacked it. I'm going to simplify or or bring your argument down to a layman's term and bring TJ into the conversation at the same time. What, what you're arguing is, Morris, we've been miseducated and Stephen A. Smith is there to continue the miseducation of the American Negro. It's G. Carter Woodson's book. And so if, if what, what John Morant and most of the black dudes, or not most, but many of these young black dudes, rappers and all this, they don't understand, they've never been taught the Second Amendment, what its real purpose is, and what a gun is actually for. These guys are using it like a gold chain, like gold grills, like Air Jordan tennis shoes. It's some kind of status accessory. Hey, I got a gun, I'm dangerous, blah, blah, blah. The Second Amendment, if taught properly, and and again, corporate media is invested in miseducating everybody 
about the Second Amendment. I used to be this miseducated. I, I used to be. And I had to snap out of it and come to realize and do the homework and research that my teachers didn't teach me. They don't teach you this in public school. But it, the whole Second Amendment is about an oppressive government and making the founders realize, I'm like, if y'all don't have guns, these idiots running the government will abuse you. The only line in the sand is that gun in the home. And so you should have one. And you're right. He should have one to protect himself against an oppressive government, to protect his property and his person, to hunt. He should have it. Military should have it. And we need to be educating people on that and stop people from using guns as a tool to burnish their image as a bad boy or a rapper or, or whatever. It, it, it's, it's, it's the reason, First Amendment is most important. We must be allowed yeah. free speech. Yeah. Second Amendment is actually second in importance because we must have a gun to keep the idiots in the governments from destroying us. It's that simple. And so I've watched people on the internet uh, over social media, do all the little false equivalencies and hey, look at the white dudes and, and their families with guns and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, hey, man, if someone takes a family picture with guns in their home, I really don't have a problem with it. Because what they're what the message behind that is, come up in my house and here's what's waiting for you. No, no. And, oh, no when you're that, doing a little that. rap music video. Or, or driving around in a car, flashing a gun and doing rap. Yeah. You, you ain't. You're trying to scare everybody and you're, you're going to yeah. put yourself in jeopardy and others in jeopardy. The miseducation of the Negro is the biggest problem we have. And they're miseducating everybody. It's not just I don't want to do it to just black people. They're miseducating everybody. They won't tell the truth about the Second Amendment and why we should have a gun, because they don't want you to know who the enemy is. And it's the yeah. government. Yeah, 100 percent right. And so. <clears throat> You're, I, I love the way you said it, that is, they're miseducating. We're, we're not uneducated. They're telling us that the First Amendment was for hunting and you should have muskets. And well, oh, we, Second Amendment. Second Amendment. Yeah. For, second Amendment was for hunting and well, they, they never had this in mind. It was all about muskets and that was never the truth. If you, if you look at the very beginning, the writings of the founders, their actual quotes, and we have them, but nobody even in our education system will come out and tell us what they said. James Madison, our fourth president, was all over this. I mean, what he said is the advantage of being armed, an advantage which Americans possess over the people of virtually every nation, is that in, in the several kingdoms in Europe, the governments are afraid to trust the people with the arms. And so what he's saying is, and, and uh, John Dixon affirmed this, another signer of the Constitution. He said it's an inalienable right of self-defense, which God gave you and which no inferior power has the power to take away. What they're saying here is self-defense is defense against government tyranny. It's not people try to act like those are two different things. That is self-defense, protecting you and yourself and your family. Hunting's a totally different deal. Well, once upon a time, that was also self-defense, right? You're defending yeah. yourself from death, you know? Yeah. And so the idea that the well is just for hunting or it's like well you know you can have a gun in your house but you know that's just for family protection but well the government could do that anyway the, the whole purpose was the government could march right in here and, and murder you and your entire family like they did virtually all of the 20th century where communism killed a hundred million people 
That's government tyranny. And, and, and our founding fathers said, we're not doing that. And we're going to set up the government to prevent that. And the number one prevention of that are those guns. Royce, so I, I don't think you've strayed off course. I think John Morant goes right to your point. Don't trust the government. Well, it's not only don't trust the government, and I understand how the narrative is being used the one in the one direction about the Second Amendment, but it's being used in both directions. These people are organized. Stephen A. Smith, who is the progenitor of white liberal women's political philosophy, is going to tell me that white supremacy could break out at any moment? I could be, I could be a Maude Arbery at any moment. I could be walking down the street. And a group of, of, of roaming, raging white supremacists could pull over and shoot me to death, which they did do. And, and, I, and I do think that that happens. But let's just accept the premise. OK, that happens in America. It happens when black people kill other black people. It happens when Latinos kill black people. It happens all the time. America's a violent place. OK, why do you want me not to have a gun in, 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 um, in pursuit of my economic and financial or professional goals? Why do you want to disarm me if I'm in such danger of radical white supremacy? And I talk about it often, security and materialism and the convenience of two as a hydra to take away your rights. And actually the liberals and the bourgeoisie sellouts like Stephen A, they want to up the ante. They want to say, give away your security for all materialism. These are the of all They don't care about fundamental rights in this country as long as they get some posh, prosperous, aristocratic piece of the action. And you know what's worse about it, Jason? They're no different than the American military. And I, I said this before, but I'll say it again. When we don't go into wars like the Ukraine under righteous premise, when we're not very careful about the cultural decisions we make at the highest level. We undermine American citizenship. We undermine American rights. We undermine the brand of America and the American military itself. So now black people can ask the very legitimate question. And I heard a black young black man ask this question and I was stumped, but I understood right away what he was saying, although I don't agree with the, the final analysis, but he asked a very legitimate question. Why am I hailed and celebrated for killing America's enemies a world away, but I'm thrown in jail for killing my enemies. That's a young man who's been miseducated. That's a young man who has been intentionally miseducated in an in educational uh, formula, an educational curriculum that, in, that intentionally seeks to undermine the, the idea of national honor and sacred honor. He thinks to himself, why would I go kill? Why would I sign up, enlist in the army, go kill some Iraqis in a war we never should have been in in the first place? And then we come home and every time the anthem is played, we're all supposed to bow and celebrate this anthem like this war wasn't corrupt. Like the real tragedy and disgrace against our nation's troops was that our political elite sent our, sent our young men to die from IEDs when they never should have been there in the first place. That was the real disgrace towards the flag. That was the real insult to the, the troops' memory. Why can I go fight in that war and be celebrated when I die for that war? But a young man down the street who's never liked me since we were seven years old and wants to rob me because I have a chain he likes or a girl he likes, and, I, and, I want, and now I had to kill him first before he kills me. Now I'm thrown in prison. Now, the final analysis as a Christian man is, 
You don't let what other people do in their contradictions dictate your morals, your values, your ethics, your behavior, because you got to answer to God. But in a radical materialist culture and society, you only have to answer to whatever is economic or financially advantageous. So they set the game up this way and the neocons are at the head of it. The military industrial complex is at the head of it. World War II, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. This was the predicate for Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade was the predicate for black on black crime. And now it's the predicate for the Ukraine. And they're going to take your money and they're going to kill you in the process. Royce, this is where I'm going to stop you. It's not that I don't believe you. It's just those are a lot of dots to connect in, in this. And so I just want to hit pause and we're going to need more time to unpack all of all of that. That's a lot of dots to connect. Not that I disagree, but it's just a lot. Only thing I want to hammer in this conversation, the the the, because I, I want even a baby to be able to understand everything you talked about in terms of who sent your kids off to war in Iraq. The government did that. So so again, this is where I just want to circle this whole thing back to the founders knew that the government is dangerous. And so you may think the Bloods and the Crips are dangerous. They don't have nothing on the government. Nothing. The government will drop more bodies than the Crips, the Bloods, the Vice Lords, the whatever biker gang you can think of, whatever, all the criminals locked up in prison will not drop more bodies than the government will. Yeah. It's not even close. And that's not why close. they wanted us to have a gun so that we would have something to tell. Not here, brother. I own this house. I own this piece of property, even though they keep the property taxes going and all that other stuff. But they, they were set up so that we would have these little patches of land that were ours and like, y'all can come over here if you want to, but I'm going to go out like David Koresh and <laughs> who Waco and whoever. And, and that's why I get people don't. The truth about Waco and what's that other one? I just Ruby Ridge that I just uh, Ridge, watched the yep. documentary over. That's what yep. they intended for us to be able to protect ourselves from a government that will get out of control and will drop bodies and will feed you a vaccine that will kill you. I mean, you think yeah. the bloods and the Crips are bad. Yeah. Joe Biden, the government, Donald Trump promoting that vaccine. The government will do things. Fauci, they, they make Al Capone and, and Don Corleone look like chumps. And that's why oh, they want yeah. us to have guns. But Stephen A. And, and everybody in corporate media are paid to keep you uninformed about who your real enemy is. Joe Biden will go, and we'll get into this tomorrow, Joe Biden will go to at Howard University. <laughs> Black folks, white supremacists, they out to get you. They out to get you. Oh, my God, we're going to protect you from the way. And he's the grand dragon instituting all the policies that locked you up, killed you, denied you your freedoms and all that other stuff. And, and I couldn't believe people were applauding this garbage. And it, but that's how confused we are. We don't know who the real enemy is. And, and it, it's, it's embarrassing. And so I, I, I don't have a problem with John Morant having a gun. My problem with is how uneducated and how foolish he is how he's going to either harm himself or harm yeah. someone else inadvertently. 
He may not pull yeah. the trigger. But, but, but just yeah. by putting yourself on video like that, when the cops pull him over and they see a job Morant, oh, he gives him a license, I'm job Morant. First thing the cops going to think, oh, this idiot's got a gun. And, and he likes to brandish it foolish. This isn't a responsible gun owner. And so tensions are going to heighten. And that's how mistakes get made. And someone may be in the passenger seat that moves. And it just all builds on top of each other. He's foolish. Because, and again, so much of, of the public school system and just black culture is so misinformed. We don't take our gun rights seriously. We don't understand uh, our gun rights. We don't, we don't understand the purpose yeah. of it. And, and yeah. I just, I see young kids out here just setting themselves up for danger and failure and potentially putting someone they love or care about in harm's way as well. There is one thing, because your, your final paragraph of your, I don't know if I can get on board with it, it should be a felony. Yeah. Or, there's dudes on YouTube, they're gun educators, right? There's, there's all sorts of stuff. What I will say is this, um, a good rule of thumb, if you've got a gun, and, and the, the people who teach you concealed carry and all this, they'll tell you this. If you see my gun, it's probably the last thing you're ever gonna see. And, and that should be how everybody treats it. You're not gonna see my gun until I'm about to kill you. That's the only time you're gonna see it. And that's how every person should be treating their gun. And I know Missouri's got open carry. It's out on your hip. But I'm telling you, I got a gun on me most of the time. Virtually everywhere I go, if it's not a federal building, nobody's ever seen it. And if they do, they're going to wish they hadn't. And that's how everybody should treat their guns. Yeah. I agree with Royce. I'll give you the final say. I, I want to say this. D make no mistake about it, Jason. I'm not trying to, we talked about the, the, the government being more dangerous than the Bloods and the Crips. Let's not talk about the vaccine. Let's talk about the gain-of-function research that led to the virus in the first place that, that's killed millions and millions of people all over the world. So that, that's the first thing. Let's just, that's the pin to drop. But I'm not absolving the bloods of the Crips. I, I want to start to be America's mirror, okay? I have seen the enemy, and the enemy is me. Black people aren't whole. The, 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 the plague of black communities isn't wholly miseducation. Yeah, we've been miseducated. We accepted it. We like it. And we even pretend, in many cases, let me, let me just be transparent. In the neighborhood I come from, we use this as a crutch. We pretend like the miseducation is at the heart of the, the, the problem, the wickedness. I just mentioned it because your right-wing conservatives like to act like it doesn't exist. They, act, they like to act like the neocon, neoliberal media machine isn't at work. And I don't like to give them that, that clemency. But us black people know very well why we've bought into it. We know why we've signed the terms and conditions. We know why we've signed the dotted line with ESPN so we could wear the posh double Windsor not silk tie like Stephen A. Smith and the spray on hairline. We know why we did it. We like the money. We like the high. We like the high. And even more so, we like the sense of feeling like we're equal to the same white oppressors we say are evil. You can't out white. You can't out white supremacy. The white supremacist that would make you a sellout. Just like you can't out Democrat the Democrats. You rhino sellout. Excuse my language. You can't outdo evil, and that's the real plague of modern culture, modern society. Is we see the enemy, and we have this idea that we should try and emulate or imitate to win.
No, we got to go back and find some righteousness. That goes for black communities. That goes for citizens all across America and free people all around the world. Thank you, Royce. Uh, Great job, as always. Uh, Get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Hit the likes. Five-star reviews on Apple. Steve Kim, Brian Cosell. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to Los Angeles, bringing the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Steve, uh, John Moran, it's the offseason basically for the Memphis Grizzlies, or it is the offseason for the Memphis Grizzlies, not basically. So it's easy to suspend him now. What should the Grizzlies and the NBA do with John Morant moving forward? That's a great question, because as you said, what what good is suspending somebody when when they're basically on vacation during the offseason? But certainly, Ja Rule Morant, I don't know if this is his version of the Fire Festival, uh, this is just a really bad case of cosplay. And it just, you know, I I don't want to sound like I'm advocating for violence, but Jason, am I nuts for almost thinking we would have more respect for him if he actually did shoot at somebody? than the stuff he's doing now. Isn't keeping it real like this big thing that's so important to everybody? Am I, I, I can't go there, Steve. Uh, okay. I can't go there, but... <laughs> is, I mean, come on. Is, there are some people out here making the argument, and I've seen, I, I think Will Kane, I've seen Maj Ture, I've seen people like, what did he do uh, wrong? He didn't break any laws. He didn't blah, blah, blah. And so is he worthy of some sort of discipline, this misbehavior? Is it worthy of some sort of discipline? Okay, I kind of see what they're doing. That's their version of, what about Favre? Okay, first of all, here's the issue. That his biggest crime, and it's not a law that he broke, but his crime is being stupid. He was just reprimanded by the NBA, who is his employer and the league. And to do it so soon or ever again to brandish that weapon and, as you say, use it as an accessory, you're just like, man, this is low IQ, low vibrational type of behavior. And I just say to myself, what is the play here? Or, I mean, here's the thing. Would he ever flash a library card and say, hey, I'm reading a book? Maybe that wouldn't play. <laughs> uh, honestly. If, if, by the way, I read your call. Great job. Now, here's my question. In this whole scenario, if this is juice, is he Bishop or is he Q? Which guy would he be? So who's he trying to be? The protagonist? He's Bishop. He's trying to be Bishop, huh? He's he's Bishop. Because you got to remember, Q at the end of the day was actually kind of a good guy. Yeah. You know, like he didn't want the juice. Yeah, he was spinning the wax. He he didn't want the juice. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, about He's definitely playing Tupac's role. There's no doubt. And by the way, uh, and I thought about Tupac. If you go back to his beginnings, he was in a performing art school. He didn't go to Crenshaw High. He went to a performing art school. Like, think about fame and put Tupac in there. That I'm just like, wait a minute. How did he become that? What? How did this become thug? Right, right there, right there. Not a good image. Not a good image. 
So now, you know, we got to make sure that literally John Morant does not become a uh, becomes a non-shooting guard. Here's what we got to do because he's more than an athlete. You know, that's important. We need to have another counseling session with Jalen Rose because that went really well, didn't it, Jason? <laughs> it went, t- what? What? I, I, maybe I can get a more serious. Not that you didn't give a serious answer, Steve. I am being serious. What, should the NBA? Should the NBA? be suspending the guy. There are people out there saying, no, I think this is conduct unbecoming a professional athlete. I do think, it, though, it is on brand for the NBA. So I'm kind of caught between what has he done to hurt the NBA's brand? The NBA's tied to commercial hip-hop at the hip. That's their partner. And so it is kind of a tricky situation, but... It, it's if I'm the Memphis Grizzlies, given all the crime and murder that goes on in Memphis, I wouldn't want my employee running around like this. He's putting himself in harm's way and others. It's the catch all phrase conduct detrimental to the team. And then you, you get to discipline for any reason you want once you throw that label on there. Yes, they should suspend him um, just for being an idiot. Just like, you can't be this stupid and not get suspended. We sent you to counseling. We had you sit down and do your apology tours. So don't do that again. You look like a fool throwing $100,000 or whatever it was on the ground at a strip club and having a gun. Please don't be an idiot. And five minutes later, he's an idiot. So just more than anything, please just uh, let's just pretend we're smarter than Ja Moran is. Uh, aside from that, I just, it, it, it strikes me that it, the NBA still likes to pretend. They're, they're nothing like they pretend they are, but they do like to pretend that they have some morals. And so you have to, if you're going to go along with this for the people that don't follow everything closely, you have to say, hey, we're not just, just no, no different than Gary Pinkle did with us at the uh, University of Missouri. Hey, this is not a gun culture. And so they try to tell everybody, this is not a gun culture. I, for the same reason that you said, hey, um, we're going to, we're gonna get in trouble for flashing around. If he pulled it out to shoot somebody who was threatening him, I think the NBA should applaud him. But for this, you say, we're gonna suspend you for not knowing how to use a firearm. If anything, what, what they really should do is not get him a counselor, go get him some gun training. Jason. Uh, Steve, yeah, go ahead. You know, I do that thing where I, I mentioned Tupac in his or- origins, where he was basically a guy that grew up, I don't wanna say affluent, but he did go to performing arts school. If you go back to uh, Jay Morant's history, didn't he grow up in a nuclear family? I've seen the pictures. At one point, it looked like a great American family, nuclear family. Father's definitely involved, so we can't use that stereotype and and say, oh, he was a fatherless kid that did not have direction or male guidance. Uh, So to come from that, where he's now the Huxtables, to all of a sudden New Jack City, I'm like, what happened? And why did it happen? And is there a cultural pressure to be that way? You know, so this goes far beyond, to me, just about a guy brandishing a gun on social media. It, it certainly does. The, the, Steve, I wanted to ask you this, and then we'll move on. Yeah. He's, there's another path. If you don't want to go with the Tupac path, he certainly looks like the second coming of Antonio Brown. Oh. And very talented, great NFL player, addicted to social media, addicted to burnishing a brand as a bad boy. Do you think that, and, and, and I mean, when you go read all these different things he's been involved in, accused of, it sounds like A.B. all over again, no? 
Uh, that that's an interesting comparison because I I do wonder. And again, this is not a cop out. It's not an excuse. But are there issues uh, neurologically with AB? I, I get the sense that there is. But again, it's not an excuse. He's I'm an just idiot. saying. Okay, well that's that, that's also that's also um, a that's condition. a neurological issue. It is. You're yeah. right. But um, it just got me to thinking. You know who I really respect more and more, and I used to hate him. And back in my younger, more rebellious days, but he stayed true to himself. Grant Hill. Grant Hill was as suburban as Carlton, right? Calvin Hill was his uh, father, great NFL running back for a spell. His mother, I think, was roommates with Hillary Rodden Clinton, and then she was very posh herself. And everyone knew that, hey, this is not a street guy. He's not ghetto. He's very suburban. He lived in a cul-de-sac, probably two stories. I, I remember one time I heard a story, Grant Hill, that one of his Christmas gifts was a pencil sharpener and like a calculator. I'm saying, man, that guy's a, that that guy's an honorary Asian kid at that point. I'm gonna tell you that. And you know what? He never veered from it. <laughs> he never veered from it. He just said, "This is who I am. I'm gonna honor my family's background and the sacrifice they made, and I'm me." And when I look at Grant Hill, I look at a fully formed, developed man. Now you got me. Uh, I want to look up when Grant Hill. Grant Hill's actually older than Allen Iverson. Yeah. Came out a year uh, or two ahead. Stayed all four years at Duke. Graduated in 94, I believe. Yes. First NBA season, 94 and 95. And so Grant Hill is in college during Tupac Shakur's rise. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Tupac starts in 1991. I think Grant Hill hits Duke at 92, 93, 94, probably in 91, 91-ish. So, a little, and, and not that, I, I think Grant Hill's foundation from his parents was so strong that he would have never gone that direction, but you're right, my respect for Grant Hill and what his, Dad and them instilled in him through the roof, the last last of the Mohicans. Let me move on uh, to some uh, relevant NBA news. Doc Rivers and the uh, Philadelphia 76ers uh, uh, lose again. I think Doc has lost five straight game sevens. He's lost more series after building a lead than any coach in NBA history. I think 10, and the second place guy is like five. Uh, most people are saying Doc should be fired. Is is I'm going to ask that this is Doc Rivers potentially the most overrated coach in NBA or maybe in professional sports history? Yeah, you know this DOC does not have the formula, and that that's something that TJ that 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 reference went right over his head. But I'm sure you get it, Jason. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me. Do you know what that reference? Do you know anything about? Not a clue. Not not tracking at all. <sighs> DLC was a great rapper. Would have been a part of NWA, but he or was came up in that era that lost his voice in a car accident. I think yeah. or injured his throat or something yeah. in a car accident. But anyway, anyway, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Steve. I have a question. At what point does he no longer get to live off the cachet of 2008? His one NBA title where they had a stacked team when they added Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce when they were obviously the best team in the NBA from game one. This is an alarming trend that he cannot finish off series, and he blows series. I mean, that doctor right there should be sued for malpractice. And in the irony of ironies, now he is making the whole city of Philadelphia cry 
it's bad because if you read the timeline of all my friends from Philly, uh, they all want Jay Wright, the former Villanova coach. They are so out on not only just the coach, Doc Rivers, uh, there are some questions now about that supposed MVP of theirs. Yeah, and hold for a minute. I'm going to circle back to that uh, in a second. But James Harden and Joel Embiid, how much blame do you put there well, as opposed to on Doc Rivers? Well, they are the players. You know, There's an old saying, players win games, coaches lose them. But it is a partnership, especially in the NBA, where one or two dominant players can carry a whole franchise. We've seen it before, and it's happened recently. But why are we surprised by James Harden? He is the ultimate stat-grabbing, stat-compiling regular season player who has disappeared in key moments. Now Embiid coming off this trophy that he won, uh, I, I will now demand a recount on behalf of that young fella in Denver. Oh, my goodness. That was not a good look for him yesterday while Jason Tatum adds to his playoff legacy with 51 points. I just watched a little bit of that game, and I'm thinking, wow. Philadelphia was never in this game. And I just wonder, has the process really come to an end? Since, since you're there, I'm going to stay there. I think at this point, with Embiid out, with Giannis out, Kendrick Perkins owes Jokic an apology, no? <laughs> I'll say this again. If you did a recount, and I'm not talking about 2020, I really wonder <laughs> in the heart of hearts if anybody who voted for Embiid with a guilty conscience kind of says to themselves, oh, boy, I don't know about this. I mean, by the way, our, our, guy, our guy Mark Jackson, I love Mark. God bless him. He sinned. He left Jokic off his top ten. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, look. This is going to be interesting because I've always wondered, we can have that argument, the MVP award is solely about the regular season, game one through 82. And I think it's kind of interesting that most awards or all these awards never take into account the postseason where it really matters. I've always found that a little bit interesting and dubious. Steve, here's why I'll disagree with you. It's an MVP regular season trophy. I think there's a pretty compelling argument that a center who came within a whisker of averaging a triple-double, I, I think he just fell short in the assist category. He should have won the MVP just for being the MVP of the regular season, and that what's transpiring in the playoffs is just proof of that. But Kendrick Perkins playing the race card the way that he did I think through the vote, and I mean, like, I think MB won like 75 of 100 first place votes. The thing should have been close. Yeah. That's what, what's disappointing mm. and problematic is a guy plays the race card, changes the whole vote, and, and now we get here through the playoffs, and it's pretty clear to me who the MVP was. You know what would be funny? Now, look, I don't know what Joel Embiid sounds like, so I can't really uh, do his impersonation. Could you imagine his speech, though? He gets up there, commissioner gives him the trophy, and he says, thanks, Silver. Um, I want to thank my teammates. I want to thank the coaching staff. I want to thank the fans of Philadelphia, and most of all, I'd like to thank Kendrick Perkins. You made this happen. Now, that would, <laughs> that would be gratitude. I would give him some credit for that. 
let's move on to Golden State Warriors, eliminated oh. this weekend by LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the Warriors looked awful down the stretch. Steve Kerr, at the end of it, says, look, man, this team maxed out. This is much – we weren't a real playoff championship contending team the whole season. I'm not surprised by this. Jordan Poole looked awful. Draymond Green, very inconsistent. Draymond Green looks like he's in love with LeBron James. Didn't play with a lot of passion and fire uh, during that playoff series. Is the Warriors deal over? Is this the end of Clay and Steph, perhaps? Certainly it feels like the end of uh, Draymond Green. Is the Warriors deal, is it done? It feels done. And I think people have written it off before a couple of years ago when Clay injured his knee. And I, I want to get to that. Clay Thompson has been an excellent player. But watching him the last couple of games miss one open shot after another that he generally hits at about a 70% clip, it seemed like. He is now at the Muhammad Ali facing Larry Holmes stage of his career. He doesn't move that well, and he didn't really move all that quickly to begin with. But to see a shooter miss so many shots, it was startling. And this series was over in Game 4. If the Warriors win Game 4 where they had a double-digit lead in the third quarter, and I'm thinking to myself, ooh, they make this 2-2. Now they regain home court advantage. And when they blew that game, it just felt like now it's 3-1. They're not going to win three straight. But I want to get to this, Jason, because I know me and you are on the same accord when it came to this. A couple of weeks ago when Steph Curry had that big game seven against Sacramento, some smarmy guy puts up a video saying Magic couldn't do this. Well, yeah, number one, he doesn't shoot as much. Well, I have a question to that fine guy on Twitter. Do you want to put a compilation of all the missed shots Curry had and all the turnovers and the careless play and him getting dominated defensively and also put this would never happen to Magic? you want to be fair? That's the thing that I kept thinking of. Look. Steph is an all-time great. There's no taking away anything that he's done the last eight, nine years. He's been great to watch. He's very entertaining. But I have never subscribed to the fact that he's in that rarefied air of Jordan, Magic, and Bird. I, look, and he's, I think he's in the top ten, but he's much closer to ten than he is the top three or four. I think that's accurate. Uh... His impact on the game, I can't tell if he's a creation of all these rule changes. If, if you put him in the 80s, is he, is he even Isaiah Thomas? Is he Isaiah Thomas? or Jason, let me just tell you this. In the 80s, when you had hand checking, when you could put a hand on a guy's hip and guide him, when you're coming across the middle and you get hit right in the face and all they say is get up and get your two free throws, okay? But I do agree with you. The influence of Steph is that the game is more open. And there was a time that if any, if your name was not Larry Bird and on a transition, let's say a three-on-two or three-on-one, and you pulled up in a three-pointer and you shot a 25-footer, that coach would say, sit right next to me. You're never doing that again. Now, now I watch games at different levels when I do. I see a lot of mediocre shooters thinking they're Steph Curry all of a sudden pulling up from 30 feet when it's a two-on-one. It's like um, Mahomes. What was the rule in terms of quarterback play for 50 years? Never throw late across your body or late across the middle. Now you have guys throwing no-look passes trying to be Mahomes. I think they're very similar in a sense that 
They have changed the boundaries of what is acceptable for that position. But when I look at Curry, and come on, Jason, be, admit it. If you had, I'm going to ask you this again, based on what you saw, if you had to start a team and it came down to LeBron or Steph, come on, it's LeBron. It's not even close. It's not, not yeah, that's not, I mean, okay, so you're it's not, now. Okay. I mean, one, okay, size still matters in basketball. And, Position versatility. You know, LeBron's size and strength. And, you know, you can put anything around LeBron and pretty much. And, and he'll, I mean, look at that first Cleveland team he took to the NBA Finals. So I, I don't think that's the case with Steph. But Steph's had an incredible influence on no this doubt. era of basketball. Look, the two, but, you know, the two years they had KD and they got to, you know, basically cakewalk to two championships uh, is something that, you know, maybe has enhanced or overvalued Steph's value to this era, this whole super team deal. But I want to move one last deal that I found interesting in the NBA. Mondi Williams, two-time NBA coach of the year, fired in Phoenix, probably my favorite NBA coach. I don't think it was fair that he was fired. He can't, Chris Paul gets hurt, DeAndre Ayton gets hurt. They, they kind of remake the roster. I, I don't. I think he's being scapegoated here when it's not his fault. I have a question. How much of this is on Kevin Durant, who since leaving Golden State, it's been a rocky run. And KD, I, I read somewhere that both coaches that he played for this year ended up losing their jobs. So does KD stand for coach with the K, destroyer? I, I mean, look at this. If you look at where he's won a title – he had a lot of help because at that point, Clay was still very much elite. Steph Curry was at his apex. So there are nights where he could have been the second or third option. The game becomes much easier at that point where there are certain nights you're like, you know what, I got a tough matchup. I'm just going to like lay back and I don't have to be the leading scorer. But since he's had to be the number one, the alpha, I think the results speak for themselves, Jason. I do too, and I hate to say that because I like KD, but I'm not. This whole thing situation is, has has hurt his legacy and my overall perception of him. Not not. I, you say is is well yeah KD's legacy definitely pales in comparison to uh, Steph Curry's. So KD's not even K. KD, a guy that they were people were trying, oh, he's better than LeBron, and he's the no. greatest scorer in NBA history. He's not he's not top ten. Well, okay, hold on. That's a close one. Although I do get the sense after watching this segment. Top ten? He might he's top fifteen-ish, but I I really think though, after this segment, wow. one, of his, one of his burner accounts on Twitter is really gonna come after us on Twitter uh tomorrow or later tonight. But here's the here's the issue. With KD, does he ever get over to the top with him as the number one guy? Because if you look at how many years he has played and, and miles on the odometer, he's much closer to the end of his career than I believe his physical prime. I, I watched that final game couple several nights ago. I believe it was Thursday night. That score was 81-51 at one point at home. And maybe that right there, I, I really wonder what is the Suns thinking?
Are they saying Katie doesn't like Monty Williams? Monty Williams has taken us as far as we could, or do we just need to placate KD? That's the question that I have. And any, if you ask the New Jersey Nets or Brooklyn, was it worth it to have KD? I think in their heart of hearts, they'd say, nah, it really wasn't. All right, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of names. You and uh, TJ tell me if KD is better than this guy, Magic mm-hmm. Johnson. No. Larry Bird. No. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No. Michael Jordan. No one's better than him, no. Kobe Bryant. No. No. What? (laughs) Tim Duncan. No. LeBron James. No. Bill Russell. No, no. Bill Russell? Again, Bill say Russell, no, Steve, so I can move on. I said no. The guy, the guy, literally won the whole NBA oh. title every year he was in the league. I, it's tough to put him above that. Did I say Will Chamberlain? No. I've already said Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. No. So he's top fifteen-ish, fifteen uh, to twenty. Hold on, uh, Carl Malone. Maybe, maybe that's a tough one. Maybe. Steph Curry. That's a close one, too, but I'd say no. That's 12 well, guys I just named. He's not better than Jerry West. One. Jerry, I got yeah. another one. My personal favorite, I think, a guy that does not get enough credit, even though he's great in a lot of people's eyes. The Dream, Akeem Olajuwon. I'd say hell to the no on that one. Dr. J. No. All right, so top 25. <laughs> I'm making, I, I there you go. You, I can admit what I'm wrong. I'm just making. I have any, <laughs> I, I'm gonna give you another one that that you're gonna. Well, I mean, this one's tough, but I don't think he's better than Stockton. Isaiah Thomas. Before you get to Stockton, <laughs> and no. I love John Stockton, but Jason, I truly believe that Isaiah Thomas is the best point guard, not named Magic Johnson, and he's the best player at his size or smaller I've ever seen. Well, there you have it. That's a lot of people. We That's a lot. Of, yeah, I could probably. Artis Gilmore. No, I'm joking. Yeah, so, so he is. Right now, he's Mr. Unreliable, as that old headline said about six, seven years ago in Oklahoma City. Mr. Unreliable. All right. Thank you, Steve. We're going to move on. Great job. We're actually going to play some tomorrow. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow.